0: right very good well I am glad to be home and uh, to be seeing all of uh, you and to be uh, with you uh, today that uh, is for sure Uh, for those that uh, not uh, been around uh, had opportunity to go uh, for 10 days uh, to uh, Israel uh, places like Sea of Galilee and Capernaum uh, Caesarea uh, Jerusalem and uh, was uh, just a trip Uh, of a lifetime is what they call it and that's about the best definition I can give it Uh, you know coming away from there I you know if you think about it if you you know like to get to know somebody and uh, you know maybe even really pursue a relationship with them uh, one of the best ways to get to know them is like where they're from right and kind of where they came from and uh, and so uh, going there uh, I feel like I I I come away with an Uh, somehow an even deeper love for my savior, uh, being in the streets that he walked and places that he went, participating in things like I was baptized in the River Jordan, um, went to the Mount of Olives, um, just to the the garden tomb, and uh, so just uh, so many precious places. Uh, What I'd like to do is uh, to offer to all of you that uh, if you wanna take me out to eat and hear about my trip, (laughs) Uh, My phone number is seven. No, okay. Um, I'll try this again. Um, So so next Sunday night, uh, if you would, give me a few days kind of putting some slides together and some of the stuff that I got. And uh, what I'd like to do is um, uh, have a presentation next Sunday night uh, in our cafe at six o'clock. That is just an Israel debrief, um, just to kind of, you know, tell you about the trip. Um, I'll tell you mostly about the pilgrimage. It did have a strong geopolitical slant to it. Um, You know, I couldn't really talk about before, but I can talk about now um, in some of the places that we went, you might have some real interest in that, but I won't, you know, get into, you know, necessarily a whole lot of that. Um, But I would really like the opportunity just to share with you, uh, you know, about, you know, such a trip. and, And if any of you have, you know, uh, interest in going uh, I think the organization that took me you know has interest in you know me helping others you know to get there and so uh, you know we can talk about that as well but that's not a requirement of it so next Sunday night six o'clock uh, in our cafe probably for an hour and some and then we'll do some you know question and answer too, uh, you know just so that you too can uh, you know get a sense of um, you know uh, what the trip contained, and you know, kind of uh, how it went. Um, so, I'll offer you that there. That yesterday morning, we had a very good uh, prayer breakfast. I know that some of these things are kind of coming new and, and don't have much definition, you know, to them. Uh, but I want to encourage you to participate uh, in those. It's kind of a way to yes, talk about prayer, but then also in there, I just kind of really kind of uh, my heart uh, for where we are and uh, where we hope to go, um, you know, um, in the Lord and uh, by His grace. And so had a very precious morning just sharing some of the really critical things that are coming up, uh, things that are happening, and, um, you know, just so that we can be strategically uh, praying uh, about that. I want to let you know, too, that um, we have a couple more weeks. We have this week and next week for Financially Set Free. But if you can believe it, we're then coming into the season of Lent. Uh, And so we're gonna talk about a special thing we're doing for Ash Wednesday to kind of get it all started. But for the Lent time, we're doing a series that's called Stained Glass. And we're actually looking at the first uh, few chapters of the book of Revelation, specifically at the seven churches that are mentioned there. And so if you've ever had real interest about Revelation, especially these seven churches that kind of set it all up, but it's going to be some of the lessons that we'll take from those seven churches that will be uh, really our Lent study. And uh, really looking forward uh, to those weeks. Um, there's so much that Jesus is speaking to the church that I think we can take directly for us uh, and, and our lives. And then finally, I just want to share with you that I, what I'd like to do Uh, as we have, uh, you know, a financial series like this, is I'd like to um, really see if we might have uh, maybe two, three, four folks that would be willing to give a financial testimony. Um, You know, because as we talk about giving to the church and and this idea of tithing, you know, some of you might be sitting there saying, well, I don't know anybody who does, and and I don't know, like, what's that like? Or, you know, like, what is that all about? Uh, and so if you have you know, kind of a tithing testimony, uh, would you let me know? And uh, here in a couple of weeks, we're gonna put that together and put a couple of those together uh, and, uh, and share those. Uh, so we are in our series that's called uh, Making Change. And so we're looking at really four weeks, especially when it comes to our finances. The first week, we talked about the idea that less is more. Uh, you know, we might think more is more, but actually, you know, less is more. Uh, when we think about our lives and, you know, kind of the stuff that we have, I mean, I think we are, you know, probably the only culture that, um, that doesn't really use our garage for cars, uh, but more for our stuff, right? Um, I, I don't know if you knew that, but those doors actually, they open and you drive the car in. And you can put it in there, you know. I, I'll never forget, I went to a, a birthday party for my neighbor who's 50 years old, and uh, n- none of my neighbors really came to our church, uh, but they were great, great folks. But I found out at the 50th birthday party for my neighbor, Ben, that I was the weird neighbor who put his car in the garage. <laughs> that that was, my, that was my reputation, right? And I, I was like, what, are you serious? You know, because they all put their stuff in their garage, in fact, you, it, it's, so, it's so much for us that I don't know if you've ever driven by, but we actually have other garages that are made for more of our stuff, right? Because our stuff doesn't fit in the garage. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, maybe some of you do. You know, you actually buy like storage units for more of your stuff. You know and it, it's kind of interesting, isn't it because it, I don't know if you you're paying the you know monthly bill one fifty you know hundred hundred and fifty dollars, but you know like if if you never interact with the stuff well, why not if you if you sold it you, you actually you know uh are now could get rid of it and be without uh, that bill and and so that's some of what you know we can actually pursue uh with our finances and and our life. You know, the fact is that you know, I, I'll tell you that if you don't spend the Kohl's cash, it's okay. You know? Yeah, I, I you don't you don't have to come to the altar, you know, because you let the six bucks bucks go. It it's all right. I I I could that's my thing. You know, I, I get six bucks in Kohl's cash, I walk out with eighty dollars. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> like they they nail me like every single time. Uh, but but really less is more. And then last week we talked about how, how stress is bad, you know. I, I mean, that's one of the things I do in, in premarital counseling, you know, there's a section on, on communication. Uh, and, and that's a big one because, and especially in the area of finances, you know, like we, we gotta be able to come together and to agree. You know, we, we know that, you know, typically in a marriage because opposites attract, I think Pastor Tammy said it, that's, you know, one's more of a free spirit and one is more of a detailed person you can guess which one we are. Uh, You know, Tammy is the more detailed person. Uh, I'm more of the free spirit. Uh, I tell her I I feel like I I carry the load of the church finances and so if she could help me at the home, I appreciate it. Um, But the fact is is that we we get together, and we meet and we talk about it. So I know what bills we have and and what's more and and what's less. We were just going through, you know, detailed in our budget, you know, this week and it's no surprise to you but you know what? What is over uh, more than typical is is gas and gas and groceries, uh, and that, that's really for all of us, isn't it? Right now, I mean, it's and that, that's that's nobody's fault. It's just you know, when you know when a basic element that was one dollars is now three dollars, it's just more. And um, so, um, but but understanding that and, and making adjustments and, and just trying to to work together. Uh, the other thing that's very powerful, I think, in a marriage. It's not not only the working together of the day-to-day, but then when we were working together on financial goals, you know, like that's one of the things that happened in our premarital counseling that I'm very thankful for is that uh, the person that did it, he had us do 10-year personal uh, marriage and financial goals. Uh, and uh, boy, it was so satisfying when we were accomplishing those things and doing what we can to decrease, decrease the stress Uh, in our life when it comes to finances. And then this one today is about giving is good. And then next week is tomorrow matters. Now next week, I should be charging you all $125 an hour. That's what I used to get. Um, But I won't. Uh, But we're actually going to talk about in your life, you know, like what's important. Uh, Navigating insurance, retirement. I've got just some little tips in those things that I think are really, really going to help you. Uh, I just saw, actually, it was in Israel, and uh, Fox News um, uh, was the only thing that was English. Uh, So I'm watching that. And then no commercials, so they just run these different specials. And one of them was a recent study on marital couples. Uh, And one of those was is that only two out of ten marital couples agree on what they should have saved for retirement. Um, So we're actually going to talk about that next week uh, about some of those keys in retirement, insurance, savings, you know, all those pieces. How do we get all that in order, set up, you know, that uh, that serves us well. I, ha- I have no get rich quick um, uh, methods, uh, but I can help you to get rich slowly. <laughs> um, I do know how to do that. And also, we were, um, <laughs> I, so when I started financial planning, this is what I didn't know, It's the guys that did the financial planning training in the firm I worked with were the top financial planners in Western New York. Uh, I mean, they were three of the five top financial planners. And so they were amazing. They had so many hints. And uh, one guy comes in and and he goes, listen, he goes, I want you to know, you're going to run into these people that tithe. (laughs) He goes, I used to fight them on it. Like, why do you give 10% to the church, you know? He goes, but then I learned over years, don't do it, (laughs) you know? because it ends up being just a great source of blessing. I raised my hand, I said, Jim, I said, I don't know of a better wealth builder than tithing. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, see, there's guys like this guy here, that, and that's just, you know, what, what's really, you know, what, what they believe. So, uh, so let's go ahead and look at it. And we're talking about giving is good, uh, but I wanna talk about really is, is fostering a generous heart um, and, and how we might be able to go about, you know, doing that uh, with our lives and the, and the reason I do I say that fostering a, a generous heart because I I feel like that's really the push uh, of the New Testament and uh, What God is trying to get at if, if you think about it? I, you know someone once you know said and and uh, they said I I wish there was more teaching on tithing In the New Testament, I'm like, yeah, you're not kidding, Um, you know, but, uh, you know, so you might wonder, like, you know, why is it, why why is there so much about tithing, giving 10%, uh, you know, of our income to God? Why is there so much of it in the Old Testament and not much in the New Testament? It's because I think the New Testament, what it's driving at is not 10%, but the fostering of a generous heart. The reason I say that is, is that we, we know that the, the standard in the Old Testament is the 10%. But here's what I know, that Jesus takes every standard of the Old Testament and ratchets it up. Because now, rather than ritual, it'll be based on relationship and the Holy Spirit in us. Here's what I mean, right? Like, Remember how Jesus says, don't commit adultery well, does Jesus come along and say, I know the Old Testament says don't commit adultery, but now, eh, don't worry about it. No, he didn't say that, does he? He says, I know the Old Testament says don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, don't even look lustfully on a woman. Now, you think about he says, yeah, I know it says in the Old Testament, do not murder. Does Jesus come along and say, eh, no, not at all, does he? He says, he doesn't say, He doesn't say, I know it says, do not murder, but man, don't even do it in your heart towards somebody. Protect your heart. And so in so many of these cases, Jesus ratchets it up. I mean, I really think that, I mean, it it, it does say, I I will give you the verse for it, but uh, I really think a generous heart is what Jesus is after when he says, like, Yeah, I know the Old Testament says 10%. But really, I'm I'm desiring to be first place in your life and then uh, figure out, you know, what that means. A couple of verses I I gave at the front of the notes and also two I want you to know that 90% of this message is in point one. So I don't want you to freak out like, oh man, we're going way over today. We still got two points so the, the, the two points are really kind of little addendums it's really you know the, the first point here but it says in Acts twenty thirty five, and everything I did I showed you uh, that this kind of hard work we must help the weak Paul's saying uh, re- remembering the words um, that the Lord Jesus himself said loops that I'm sorry uh, and it says it is more blessed to give than to receive and so he says here, you know, remember how the Lord said, it's more blessed to give to receive, Acts 20, 35. There's a small problem with this text. <laughs> is that nowhere in the Gospels does Jesus say it's more blessed to give than to receive. But that's really not so much of an issue because if you think about it, the, the Gospels are, they do a wonderful job, but, but they're not everything that Jesus taught, right? And so here we're getting even something more. You know, the Lord says that it, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I hope that you, you get to that place in your life. You know, that's, that's one of the marks of maturity, isn't it? That all of a sudden we, we begin to understand that the blessed life is a giving life. You know, it, it's it's kind of holding what we have with open arms. It's not going after all that we might get. And 2 Corinthians 9.11 says you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so here we're talking about that idea of generosity and fostering that generous heart. Proverbs 11.24-25 One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whomever refreshes others will be refreshed. I, I wish that I, I, could, I could explain it to you, or help you to understand it is just God's economy that when God knows that He can use us and that His finances don't get stuck in us but rather flow through us, there's more and more that He gives. You know, There's another scripture that says, you know, but why would God trust you with more if He can't trust you with, you know, what you have here? Um, and so it uh, kind of helps us to understand. I also wanted to do this. I, I, I want to just talk to you about giving as it's related to Trinity Wesleyan Church. Because I've just been thinking about this. Like, like why, why would you give here? Um... You know, why why give here? Why foster a generous heart here? Why participate in giving and things here? Uh, And so I'm working on this. I I, I really want to develop this even more. And uh, granted, I was in Israel doing a couple other things, uh, but these are what was going on in my mind and and just getting them uh, written down. And and so, and these are things I want you to know that, that I'm working on. Um, and, and so, and, and in a, an effort to just really foster uh, your uh, investment here uh, in the kingdom. And so why give to Trinity? Why, why foster a generous heart here? Number one is trust. Because you can trust us with your investment. And so one of the things that has happened just just recently is that we have passed a 14-page financial policies document that actually breaks down how money comes in and who's handling how money goes out and who's handling it. Uh, working towards the, the, the highest uh, standards, ethical standards of handling uh, money here. Uh, I want you to know that in, Tammy and I have nothing to do uh, with handling, touching, dealing with the finances here. Now we read reports and things so, you know, understand what's coming in and and what's going out. Um, But but we want you to know that this is a place that you can trust uh, with your uh, giving. I also want to just say uh, something about, um, if I can, uh, about designated giving. Um, What that is, is uh, when somebody gives to the church and, and gives to certain categories and not other things. Now I understand why that happened, why you know somebody might start that um, but can I just just from my desk and maybe more so from my heart. I want you to know that when you when you designate your giving to the church, what ends up happening is is that there are areas of the church that are financed and then other areas that aren't. And so uh, what this ends up leading to is actually a good deal of division and tension on behalf of the staff. As as we end up trying to, you know, (laughs) uh, do things with ministry, if we have some areas that are financed and some that aren't, you know, it makes it very, very difficult. So that all of a sudden one ministry is doing this and this and this, and we don't even have books for discipleship. Um, so I just want to let you know, you know, really from my heart, is, is that if you are designated your giving, I'd really like you to think about it. I, I want to come just short of saying that it, it causes so much tension and division uh, in, in the church that I'd, I'd probably rather, if you have to designate it, to not give it. Because you, you could actually help things to operate a lot more smoothly and, and foster a lot more teamwork here. Um, And so, uh, just wanna, you know, leave that with you. Uh, What's the other part of it, a part of giving to Trinity Wesleyan Church? The second is vision, you know, that you wanna give because you believe in the vision of the church. Now, kinda have one year of orientation. I appreciate the time to kinda get to know the area, what's happening, how's it going, what we've done in the past, you know, uh, what's, you know, kinda happening in our context in the valley here and how we can build a strategic church. I wanna invite you to a very exciting process that I'm very excited about. Uh, we're calling it the summits. And what we're gonna do in this ministry here, we're actually gonna have three vision summits. Now this is open to anyone in the congregation. I would love if we were all there because I really want all of your input. And what we're gonna do in um, in this time is we're gonna spend one, one of these summits kind of looking back at our past. Uh, the good things, the rough things, the rough patches, uh, attempting to really get some healing in that, but mostly to look at the ministry milestones, understand how God has used Trinity Wesleyan in the past and how this might inform our future. And then the second summit that we're experiencing is um, the vision for the future, where we're going. And so with everyone's input around tables, I'm telling you, it's, it's just fun. It, it really, you know, you're around tables with friends, hanging out, answering questions. We don't put anybody in any place. We don't, you know, we, we don't put anybody on the spot. We want all of your input. But the second one is uh, where are we going? What is the vision that we're going to articulate for Trinity Wesleyan Church? And then the third summit is how we're going to get there. Because a lot of times we can come up with great statements, and we can come, you know, come up with you know cool uh, slogans, but actually we're going to spend one more time coming together and talking about how are we going to get there, what are we going to do, what are we going to institute, how is the strategy going to happen that we're going to com- um, accomplish the vision that God has given to us, and. Uh, So I want to invite you that out. That's in our next ministry year here, 22 to 23, these three summits where we're going to come together, get everybody's input that we can, uh, get that articulated, uh, and really begin uh, to move forward. You know, and when it comes to the vision of the church where you are, and then accomplishing the vision, you know, what's the difference really? You know, it's, it's it's a finance gap. And so, but this way, you can understand the vision of the church where God's calling us to go and uh, you realize it's a good investment here. And then the third one, uh, why would people give? Trust, um, and that's one of the reasons, uh, the other thing that we're working on with trust is building a budget so that you'll have real-time understanding of the finances here. Um, we're desiring to be as transparent, uh, you know, as we're able with the finances here, so trust, uh, vision and then finally obedience, you know, just understanding uh, the commandment of scripture and and following Following that, you know, I mean I, I've gone to um, I, I will say this I, I don't I, I've never linked my giving to my church experience um, When we were in the Beeson program and, and we're visiting a number of churches and we're going all around and and of course we're visiting the best churches um, but uh, you know, occasionally would kind of go to a church that was a, a real stinker. <laughs> you know, It was kind of like, oh, that was kind of boring. Boy, that that pastor was, whoo, He was he was really full of himself, kind of. You know, <laughs> It's kind of you know way I would take away. You know, but I still tithe. You know, because because it, my giving is not really linked to the church. Um, I, I give unto the Lord, and and so you know, even be able to get you know kind of uh, to, to that place. Um, but let's look at Matthew uh, 23, 23. How to foster a generous heart really does begin uh, with the tithe. And now this is, this is a great text when it comes to the tithe in, in the New Testament. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, uh, which would have been their tithe then. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. He goes, is the problem I have, is that, yes, you give a tenth in that obedience, um, but there's a whole bunch of things and other pieces of your heart and your character, you know, that you're, you're, you're not fostering, you know? But but he doesn't say, like, neglect the giving and focus on the other one, right? He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former, you know? And, and so that's where Jesus, you know, he he still says, like, Make that a practice, you know, giving that 10 per, 10%, that tithe, um, and just, just add to it now the work of the Holy Spirit and God in your life. Uh, the other one, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, this is really, really important, because, you know, some of you might be just sitting there saying, I, I can never imagine tithing. You know, when I look at my finances, there's just no way I could ever get, you know, that that accomplished in my life. Well, when you think about it, and the, the big principle coming forward from Old Testament into new, is that God has helped us with that too. Okay, it's the Olympics time, and we know that first place gets what medal? Gold. Second place gets silver and third place gets bronze have you ever thought what place does God want in my life God is actually always always fighting for first place like I mean we might put other things in front of him you know move him back but he's always looking for first place His design was always that he would be first place in our life. Not second, third, or tenth. In fact, what he's designed all along, it was especially strong in the Old Testament, is that what you brought to the Lord was first. And then everything else followed that. Uh, in Exodus, here, Exodus 13, 1 and two, it says, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human uh, or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. And if you do not redeem it, break its neck redeem every firstborn among your sons. And so what he first says is, is that I want you to take your first child and I want you to dedicate that child to the Lord and say, Lord, we we want every purpose, every good thing, every good work, all all that you would do in, in a child's life, we want you to do it in this child's life. And when they did that, it was representative of all their other kids. You know, that that you would not only want that for your firstborn, but all others. We would like that for Joshua, but Jared too, you know? Does that make sense? He said, but then also too, when it comes to your livestock, then you give the first one. Now, if the, the first one is a clean offering, it's one that's acceptable in the list, then you just sacrifice that to the Lord. And you say, Lord, here is my first one. The first tenth, here it is. Now, if it's an unclean offering, then you would go get a clean offering and offer that instead. And said, but it was always the first of your livestock. The firstborn was to be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, all of this is pointing towards Christ in our life because what happens is is that eventually we come along after Christ's sacrifice and we realize that we are unclean that we cannot get to God by ourselves that there's nothing in us that gets us to God but Christ was the clean sacrifice and so all of this is only reflective that we understand that we are unclean and that we are not worthy. But Christ made the sacrifice. And so that's what they would do. And Colossians 1.15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Romans 5, 8 through 10. But God demonstrated his own love for this in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? And so in the Old Testament, they brought what was first. And that was the acceptable offering let uh letter B at you know add this that it was the first fruit that must be honored that must be offered proverbs 3 9 and 10 honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits fruits of all your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new rind exodus twenty three nineteen: bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house uh, of your god And so right from the very beginning, let me see if I got it here, is that God has always designed that we would give the first to Him. And so if you were someone who dealt in livestock, you gave the first 10 of that livestock to the Lord. If you were someone that was a farmer and you had fields, you gave the first 10 to the Lord. And I will say, I I think that's one of the biggest secrets because if you think about giving to the church or you think about tithing, and and you just add it to all of your other bills, you know. You're, you're gonna have all the rest, and then you're just gonna say, "Oh man, I don't have 10% left." All right, I, this $10 I'm taking to church, you know. But then when you do it first, then you watch how God lines everything else up when we seek Him first. The other thing about the tithe is that every place in Scripture about the tithe, it says that it's been returned and never given. So that's how we know that these first fruits and these first offerings go forward from Old Testament to the New Testament. Because the 10% is what we return to the Lord, that we give back to Him. We received it and now we give it back to Him. Now just remember I, I don't know what people give, <laughs> but I you know I, I just want you to know that, you know, in Scripture, because we are returning the tithe, then we've really only have two options. That that first ten percent is that we either return it or we steal it. <laughs> because it was supposed to go back to him. And this is all of how God has set it up. And designed it Um, you think about it right even I'm kind of trying to look for it goes all the way back um, all the way back to the story of Cain and Abel I don't know if you've ever really looked close at this scripture this is Genesis 4 verses 3 through 5 says in the course of time Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord did you catch that Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Verse 4, And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so the only difference here, Cain gave, he gave an offering, he you know, gave some of what he had, but it was Abel gave the fat portion some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord said, okay, that offering, yes. That offering, no. And so God instituted way back there, um, you know, just to help us out um, with all of this. Uh, and so the, the, the tithe is first, Leviticus twenty-seven thirty, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from soil or fruit or from trees, belongs to the Lord, and it is holy uh, unto the Lord. If you remember, uh, I I don't know if I've shared it before, um, but, you know, coming to Christ later as a teenager, uh, not growing up in a Christian family, uh, so I didn't even, didn't attend church, uh, never understood giving, really. Um, in fact, I remember at first, some of my first worship services, did I say this in my year-end letter? I don't know, I had a couple of drafts to it, but I, I remember going to church um, and, and, uh, and, and watching the people give money to the church. I thought that was the weirdest thing. Like, we come to this building and we're worshiping God, why doesn't God just finance the church, you know? <laughs> this is really strange. But of course, this isn't the way he set it up, is it? Uh, but, you know, we, we give is the way that he's established it and established houses of worship uh, over and over again. But I remember just one of our very first conversations. Now, to, because of the way that I looked, uh, a lot of piercings and some other things, uh, when we met, Tammy was was doubtful of my salvation. Mostly because of my looks, not really my heart, uh, you know, but kind of, you know, the way my hair was done and the clothes that I wore Things like that. So I remember one time, you know, we were just having pizza and she just wanted to check. And she wanted to check out two things. She goes, one, are you saved? Give me your testimony. I'm like, okay, okay. So I did, because uh, I wanted to date her. Uh, and then she goes, and do you tithe? And I was like, absolutely, you know? I'm thinking in the back of my mind, what's the tithe? I don't know what, you, I don't know what she's talking about, you know? I said, I know, I'll ask Jason. Jason was, uh, he was a kid that grew up in the church and he was my roommate in college. So I went back and I said, Jason, what's the tithe? And he goes, oh, he says, we give a tenth, you know, of whatever we get back to the Lord. I'm like, oh man, a tenth? I mean, now I already told her, right? Uh, so I had to. Uh, I, I, I made $35 a week for my work study and $3.50 just started going right into the offering. And when I was feeling real generous, I did five bucks, um, you know, and, and so that's what, that's what I started doing. And uh, boy, it's been so helpful, though, because it was from that moment on of thirty-five dollars. Thankfully, I make more than thirty-five dollars a week now, um, but the tithe has always been there. That you know, and, and over time, you know, it's just continued to grow. You have to understand, there was a season when when we left the church plant, that that um, Tammy got a, a job uh, that was probably a quarter of, of what she was making, and then I'm trying to start both a business. Uh, and a nonprofit, all at the same time. And uh, I don't know if they told you, but when you're doing the startup and the work and trying to get started, you don't get paid for those, you know? Uh, And so there was a time when our income was really high uh, and then went really low, um, but we never stopped tithing. You know, I mean, we might have been tempted to, to say, Lord, uh, our finances are like way different right now. And so we're wondering if we can just get a break you know, (laughs) from the tithe, you know. Never said that, never practiced it. Now it was less because what was coming in was a lot less but we've always given that 10% and when we could uh, more. And so just feeling like this is what um, the Lord has designed. And so then I just wanna share with you then the, the last two notes here. Uh, One is to plan your generosity. Isaiah 32.8, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. That was one of the funnest things in being a financial planner, is not only helping people with insurance, retirement, all the critical pieces of finances, but also helping to plan out uh, their, their generosity. And doing it in such a way that their generosity can be experienced while they're living and and not while they're dead. If we can get to that, uh, I'll I'll get to that next week too. And then three, that to start being generous now. And I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. You can imagine, I mean, I, I spent 20, 25 years of ministry in the same 12-mile radius of my life. Um, and so there's many friends I have that are over time. I remember one young man, and uh, he, early on in my ministry, he was actually one of my youth leaders. and uh, But well, he was like early 30s at the time. And we met, and then all of a sudden, uh, tithing came up. I think it was you know was preached on on Sunday. And he says, oh, Pastor Christopher, he goes, I got the best plan. He says, when I turn 40, I'm tithing. He says, but you know, before I'm forty, there's other things I gotta put into place. And he was a young dentist. So he said, I'm gonna put you know my retirement and do this other giving and do, you know, all this other stuff. But when I'm forty, I'm tithing. You can know you probably know what's happening, right? So he was basically forty five ish and I go plant another church where we connect and we go out for coffee. <laughs> And uh, so I said, hey, Larry. (laughs) I said, can I just ask you, you know, one of our first conversations, do you remember that about tithing? He goes, oh, yeah. And I said, I won't forget it, but you said, he says, I know, I know. I begin tithing at 40. I said, well, now you're, what? He said, I'm 45. I said, you started yet? He goes, no. (laughs) You know. That was always his idea and always his plan. So that's why I would encourage you to get it started. And even if it feels or, you know, seems like a lot, you know, maybe, maybe you just, yeah, you start to give something or you start to, to give more so that you can work towards that and just fostering that generous heart that God can use you uh, over and over again uh, for, for his kingdom. So next week, tomorrow matters. Don't, don't miss it. Um, that's a, maybe one of the most critical ones of uh, all the ones that we'll share here uh, in this time. But let's pray together, shall we? Mm. Well, Lord, we come to you in this moment, and uh, we ask that you would continue to work in your very powerful and gracious way. We, Lord, I even just sense a, just a bit of heaviness upon us, Lord, as we think about this, and Lord, it, it is humbling to think that most of the world lives on $2 a day. That, God, you have immensely and richly blessed us as a people. And that, Lord, I know that there will be an accounting for that. And so, God, much you help us to foster this generosity. That, Lord... We might continually be used and trusted with the finances you give us and over and over again Lord, that you would help us to be the, the kind of people who steward all things all things well especially your, your financial blessing in our life and so god thank you for your goodness love in our lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray.